Well, hello there, Linda. You sure look nice today. Thank you, Glenn. You're not so bad yourself. Well, let's say a big welcome to all the guests here with us in our program. Hey, everybody, welcome to our broadcast today. You know, Linda, this old body of mine is wearing out. Nothing seems to be as good as it used to be. And the aches and pains just seem to cling on more and more. Yeah, but consider the alternative. I know, Linda. And I'm ready to go, but nobody wants to go on the next load. We all do love our lives. With Jesus in our life, it's really good. Do you ever think about what it's going to be like when we get to heaven? Yes, I do, Linda. Mom and Dad are there, and my son Rodney's there. So many of my family have gone ahead before me. I do look forward to seeing them again. Yes, I do too, and many of my family are too. Many people say you can't take anything with you, but you know that's not true. Really? What do you mean? Well, we do get to take eternal friends with us, you know. Yes, of course that. There are lots of wonderful things there. You know, Stuart Hamlin wrote a song about what the first day in heaven might be like. Yes, and that just happens to be our song today. There's at least one place we dream to be in our visit. As we plan the things to be done while there, there's no denying of the excitement that arises from within us. As much as possible, we wouldn't want any minute wasted, and we want to get the most out of the experience. That's because of the fact that such a visit would only last for a while, and once we are there, one of the usual descriptions we give for the experience is heaven. Now, what about the idea of being in heaven? The one true heaven we know. Has it ever crossed your mind to be at that place one day? It's a fact that we're all going somewhere after our earthly journey's over. An afterlife journey, we're an everlasting one there. That said, we have to aim for the better destination. That said, we have to hang, aim for the better destination, where everything is beautiful and everyone is happy. And your first day in heaven is one of the many gospel songs that Stuart Hamilton wrote. And it's a song about heaven, and it was said in an upbeat tune. The wording provides a picture of what you would do on your first day in heaven. The song opens with a chorus and tackles with the beautiful sights everywhere in the place, including the smiles painted on each angel's face. Well, it's a great, great morning, your first day in heaven, when you stroll down the Golden Avenue. There are mansions left and right, and you're thrilled at every sight, and the saints are always smiling, saying, how do you do? Oh, it's a great, great morning, your first day in heaven, when you realize your wearing days are through. You'll be glad you were not idle and took time to read your Bible. It's a great morning for you. The first verse is about the narrator's dream that did not make him want to be wakened anymore. Why? The reason is that in his dream he was an angel. He met St. Peter and some angels. In no time he finds himself flying with them. While that's not theologically correct about being an angel and all, this is a dream, remember? Although the song text is quite short, the message is so profound and rousing 
thanks to Hamlin for another great song to indulge in. Other songs that he contributed to were equally beautiful, like How Big Is God? and It Is No Secret, among others. God is our loving and caring Father. In case you haven't imagined what your first day in heaven is going to be like yet, here is a song that provides a picture of it. Immerse yourself into the lyrics and melody of the song. Hamlin was born to the family of an itinerant Methodist preacher on October the 20th, 1908, in Kerrville, Texas, United States. He married Susie Daniels and fathered two children with her. Hamlin's father was Dr. J.H. Hamlin, a minister to the Methodist Church in Texas, who in 1946 founded the Evangelical Methodist Church denomination in Abilene, Texas. From 1931, Hamlin began hosting the popular radio program Family Album in California. He also composed music and acted in motion pictures with cowboy stars including Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, and John Wayne. Hamlin did not cope very well with the pressures of high-profile career, and he sought relief in alcohol. Many times his drinking landed him in jail, in a public brawling and other destructive behavior. The state, the Texas State Historical Association reports that Hamlin identified himself as the original juvenile delinquent. Because Hamlin was hugely popular, his radio sponsors regularly bailed him out of jail and smoothed things over. For a while, he ventured into horse racing as an owner. Inevitably, Hamlin's drinking and gambling problems severely affected his life and career. In 1949, after years of struggle with alcohol, Hamlin underwent a religious conversion at a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles and was soon fired from his radio program after refusing to do beer commercials. He subsequently gave up gambling and horse racing and entered Christian broadcasting with his radio show, The Cowboy Church of the Air, which ran until 1952. During the 1963 crusade in Los Angeles, Graham called Hamlin's conversion the turning point in the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association's ministry. Where before Hamlin accepted Christ, the crowds were rather small. Graham said Hamlin was the number one radio personality in the Los Angeles, which drew in crowds. That evening, also Graham's first coast-to-coast television broadcast, Hamlin shared about his faith and sang and spoke his signature hymn, It Is No Secret What God Can Do. Graham attributed Hamill's haunting skill and the instrumental in creating, capturing the wild panther in a Los Angeles area prior to the crusade. In his early career as a singing cowboy, he composed his song, Texas Plains. It was a song that Patsy Montana reworked into her million-seller hit, I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart, in 1935. 
Hamblin wrote the popular songs This Old House in 1954, popularized by Rosemary Clooney, along with others, and Open Up Your Heart and Let the Sunshine In. Other songs included Hell Train, It Is No Secret What God Can Do, and Blood on Your Hands. Some of his post-conversion songs depict a rather wrathful version of the gospel, sung with such good-natured high spirits that they have an ironic appeal to the non-religious. It Is No Secret was written following his acceptance of Christ and his spiritual conversation with John Wayne. After accepting the Lord, Hamelin was fired from his position as a disc jockey because he refused to do alcohol commercials. John Wade offered him a drink shortly thereafter, and Hamelin refused, saying, It's no secret what the Lord can do. John Wayne said, You should write a song by that title. The song would go on to be sung by many popular singers. This old house was inspired while on a hunting trip in the high Sierras with a friend. The two men came upon what looked like an abandoned shack, wherein they found the body of an elderly man, apparently dead of natural causes. Hamlin came up with the lyrics to the song while riding horseback down the mountain and composed the melody within a week. In addition to being a number one hit for Clooney, it was later recorded by Roberta Sherwood and the Statler Brothers, among many others. In 1955, Hamelin had a hit with Open Up Your Heart, The Lord is Counting on You, along with his family under the name of the Cowboy Sunday, the, the Cowboy Church Sunday School. Hamelin was accompanied by his wife Susie, daughter Suzanne and Jane, and two of the girl's friends. The song was recorded at 33 RPM so that it could sound like children singing in normal 7-inch single photograph speed of 45 RPM. One of Hamlin's few secular songs to become popular was Remember Me, I'm the One Who Loves You, recorded by Ernest Tubb, Jimmy Dean, Red Foley, and others, and made into a gold record by Dean Martin in a 1965 recording. The Hamelin family participated in the Pasadena Rose Parade for many years, riding Peruvian Paso horses. Stuart Hamel died March 8, 1989, in Santa Monica, California, of brain cancer. At Mr. Hamel's well-attended funeral in Los Angeles, a recording of Mr. Hamel's was played. Billy Ram gave the eulogy and they buried him at Forest Lawn Memorial Park. Hamlin was inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1970, was presented the ACM Pioneer Award in 1972, received the Gene Autry Golden Boot Award 1988, and was inducted into Texas Country Music Hall of Fame in 2001. He later received a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame, he was inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame in 1994 and the Western Music Hall of Fame in 1999. Linda, we've been talking about heaven a lot this time. How do we know anything about heaven anyway? Well, if we didn't have the information 
We can only guess, but we have solid information to build on. Divine revelation. I think God wants us to use our reason and also our imagination. For why should we neglect any God-given faculty to explore the treasure in tantalizing hints in Scripture? To be indifferent to it is to be like the unprofitable servant who hid his master's talent in the ground. Having the Bible puts us in a position very different from that of the unbeliever. The difference lies in our believing the data found in the Bible. We are like the sighted compared to the blind. We can do more than speculate about invisible things. What do we know about heaven anyway? We've never been there. Well, that's true. But I have a very good friend who has. He came here and told us about about it and showed us he is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you think we'll be bored in heaven? I suspect subconsciously we wonder about this more than we'd like to admit. We hear popular renditions of angels floating around on clouds and harps and sporting halos. The picture of heaven seems pretty boring to me. At least that picture does. Without something to look forward to, we have trouble seeing fun in that. Without that, what will we do in heaven then? We will be with Jesus, and that won't be boring. We will finally be happy with who we are in Christ. We will love our neighbors in God. We'll have an endless supply of love. And there is nothing in the Bible that indicates that we'll have nothing to do. God has created us to have goals, and whatever goals he has for us to do will fit perfectly in how he made us. Will we recognize our loved ones in heaven? Of course we'll know our loved ones in heaven. This is divinely created essential part of joy. We're not created to be lonely creatures that only love God, but to be like God himself, to love everyone. When Jesus was on the earth, he loved each person differently and specially. He did not love John as he loved Peter because John was not Peter. So we are designed to love people specially. There is no reason why this speciality should be removed in eternity. Our family and special film friends will always be family and special friends. We learn to love in this life form from our parents. Our circle of love expands around us. These, less, these lessons are never discarded and there are no reason to think God rips this plan apart after death. Many people picture heaven as a never-ending church service in the sky, or they think we will all become angels who float around on clouds playing harps for the rest of time. Neither of these make eternity seem very appealing, and both are completely inaccurate according to the Bible. In fact, we'll be glorious and full of grandeur. We'll experience fullness of joy 
as we live in our presence of God and fellowship with each other. There are so many reasons to look forward to heaven. Our friendships will be richer in heaven. One of the most fascinating glimpses we have of heaven is in Hebrews 12, 22, and 23. The passages that provides a list of heavenly inhabitants. But you have come to Mount Zion and in the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the incomparable company of angels and the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of all just men made perfect. Now, who in that group is boring? We're going to spend eternity with God, with the angels and the Old Testament saints and Christians throughout all ages. Can you imagine being in an environment like that? There will be no misunderstandings or tiffs or tension among us. Our relationships will be so much healthier in heaven than here. Down here we have problems, even with our closest friends. You know what that's like. Someone says something to you, and you aren't sure what they meant by it. You react to it, perhaps overact, and you say to yourself, I wonder what he meant by that. I wonder why she said that. In heaven there will be none of that. Our relationships will be open, honest, interesting, loving, uncomplicated by sin or our sinful natures. We'll dwell, we'll dwell with God, angels, one another in perfect compatibility and refreshing intimacy. We will all be together in heaven. It won't make any difference when we lived on earth. Imagine being best friends with people whom we've only read about in the Bible or in books. I'm eager to meet Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Imagine having all the time we wanted to talk to all the church leaders over the years. We'll be great friends with our missionary heroes. Heaven is going to be such an incredible time of unlimited fellowship with people who have lived in all ages that I can't begin to comprehend it, but I know it's true. The Lord Jesus even gave us a glimpse of this on the Mount of Transfiguration, where he stood there talking to Moses and Elijah as the twelve disciples listened to the amazing conversation. And don't get me started on fellowship we'll enjoy with the angels in heaven. We will be part of it all. And all our mentors, heroes, friends, ancestors, and descendants, all who know Jesus, will be there with us. Our work will be sweeter in heaven. Many people don't think of heaven as a place of work but rather as a place of rest. But in heaven, the two go together. I wouldn't want to spend eternity with nothing to do, for God made us to be productive. The idea of service pervades the book of Revelation. The most glorious verse on the subject occurs in the last chapter of Revelations in 22.3. And there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and the Lamb 
shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. That tells us we'll be doing something forever by serving him. All of us will be serving in the fullest expression of the capacity God has given us and the giftedness with which he has blessed us. We will discover new gifts, new interests, new pursuits. We all have new responsibilities and exercise positions of authority. Whatever we do in heaven will have eternity stamped all over it. Think of that. Would your attitude toward your work change today if you knew everything you did Every ounce of energy you expended, every product you produced, every building you designed, every poem you wrote, every investment you made, and every lesson you taught would last forever. What a legacy. That's the heritage we'll have in heaven. Heaven won't be boring because our work won't be boring. It will be exciting. Finally, in heaven, our longing for home will be filled. Romans eight twenty two and 23 says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we'll also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. There is a hunger with all creation, and even among, among us who have God's Spirit in, within us. It's a yearning and an anticipation for the coming day of the ultimate redemption. The redemption process unleashed at Calvary isn't finished. God won't be finished until creation is redeemed, and we yearn for that day. The decaying world all around us will be replaced at the end of time and a new heaven and a new earth and the city of New Jerusalem. That's what we really crave. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us God has placed eternity in our hearts. He created us with a space in our souls that can't be satisfied by anything except things of everlasting duration. We need permanence. We need transcendence. We try to cram temporal things in the empty space with us, but they don't fulfill our spiritual appetites. When we get to heaven, the ache is going to vanish. When we get to heaven, everything we do will bring us into perfect satisfaction and lasting reward. When we get to heaven, we'll never engage in anything that would leave us feeling even a tad empty. When we get to heaven, everything we do will bring joy. We'll be home. It's safe to say we won't be bored in heaven. Heaven is going to be the most exciting, adventure-filled place your mind can imagine, multiplied by trillions. I have much to say today about heaven, but there's not enough time to do it here today. I do want to ask you this. Are you going to heaven with us? Will you spend forever with us? You're going to spend it somewhere. God breathed into us a living soul. You are an eternal being. My heart breaks that some will go eternity to eternal destruction and miss heaven. 
Oh, please don't do that. You can't get to heaven by being a good person. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. Being baptized and going to church won't get you there. The only way is to believe and put your trust in Jesus. There is nothing we can do. We're hopelessly lost. God sent Jesus to take your punishment so you would not have to go to hell. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My dear friend, God said this, and he wants you to believe in him right now. He wants you to trust him. Have you felt something pulling at you lately, convicting you of sin? Have you re regretted it and been ashamed of it? The purpose of guilt is to bring about change. Let Jesus do his work in your heart today. Glenn, why don't you do Stuart Hamlin's First Day in Heaven? Okay, let's do it now. to have you with us again on Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. Our program is part of the Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association, a nonprofit 501c3 organization dedicated to sharing the gospel to the world. We're located in Lexington, Kentucky. We're on here every week looking at the old-time hymns, the authors and events related to the writing of their songs. We hope you enjoyed the program this week. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us on Facebook or whatever platform you hear us on. You can even go over to our webpage at www.glendawsonea.com, all one word, and write us. Listen to our music by searching the web for the music of Glenn Dawson and punch the like button whenever you hear us. We look forward to seeing you again next week on Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. Love, Love you all. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.